bless him. So, Bezat Hashem, we're going to do this class for the Rufuah Shalema of Haya Sarah Batsimha. So we're starting the new book. We're starting the new book, Vayikra. Um, in English, they call it Leviticus. It mainly deals with the laws of the Kohanim and the Levi'im and the Korbanot. Oh, wow. So let's start this book. So, Perek Aleph, Pasuk Aleph. Vayikra il Moshe, Vaydaber Adonai Elah Be'ol Mohen Lemor. So, Hashem called to Moshe, and, and Hashem spoke to him from the Ol Moed saying. Now, Vayikra il Moshe, Rashi points out, Vayikra means and, he, and it was called to Moshe, and he called to Moshe, meaning Hashem called to Moshe. Every single commandment, that every single mitzvah that Moshe was given to give over to B'nai Yisrael, it was a calling. Hashem always called Moshe before he spoke to him. Now, this calling is, is a very Lashon of, shows how important Moshe was and how much love Hashem had for Moshe because he called, because that the, the calling was a show of love, that she points out. Now, by the other, um, let's say by the non-Jewish prophets, it uses the word vaikad. Vaikad means, and it was chanced upon. So by the Jewish prophet, so to speak, there's like a calling vaikra. But like Bil'am, who was a non-Jewish prophet, which we're going to see later on in the next book of Bamidbad, he uses the word vaikad and he chanced upon, meaning it wasn't out of love. Hashem just, so to speak, chanced upon him. Now, if you look at the first um, word in this, so there's a small aleph. Vaikra is written with a small aleph. Moshe want, didn't want everyone to know, so to speak, that Hashem literally called Moshe, which was a, sh- a sign of how, how, um, how special Moshe was. So he made the Aleph little, so to speak, out of the humility of Moshe. He wanted to make it like it was Vayikad, just like Bil'am. But, so he, he managed to get the Aleph a little small. Okay. Vayikra um, and Moshe. So... It says, and he called to Moshe. So Rashi points out that this voice, when whenever Moshe got a commandment, as we said before, a voice would be heard. Moshe would hear Hashem calling it. Now, only Moshe was able to hear this voice. Um, none of, no other B'nai Yisrael were able to hear this. Only Moshe. Now, you would think that it's it's a very light voice. Kamash Malan was a very, she was a very powerful voice. But only for some reason, only Moshe was able to hear. Um, now, continues the 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 pasuk by Daber Adonai Elav be'ol Moed Lemor, and Hashem spoke to him from the Ol Moed saying. Now it says by Daber Hashem Elav. Now I already know that Hashem's talking to Moshe. So why does the pasuk have to repeat and say Hashem spoke to him? Of course he spoke to him, right? That that's what we're talking about. So Rashi points out another thing. This is to exclude Aharon, meaning over here, Hashem specifically spoke to Moshe and not Aharon. Now, Rashi brings down that there's 13 times where Hashem speaks to Moshe separately and 13 times um, that Moshe, Aharon, that Hashem spoke to Moshe and Aharon together. To teach you that even though the times, even during the times where it wasn't taught to Aaron, it was only to Moshe, Moshe still had to go over and give over the message to Aaron. Right? So the voice would actually come out from the oil moed. Um, and it wouldn't go past the oil moed. Okay. Um, continues. Now, the, actually, the voice actually emanated from inside the Kodesh HaKodeshim, from on top of the Kirubim. Okay, so every time there was a commandment, Moshe heard this calling out, even though it's only written here. However, it, it's, um, Rashi is telling us that it, this is really on every commandment, there was a calling before Hashem spoke to Moshe and gave him the commandment. The bed, so now we're going to hear the commandment. 
Oh, one more thing. The Rashi points out, Lemor saying. So Hashem would tell Moshe, go tell B'nai Israel that the only reason why I'm talking to you is because of them. Why? As we know that, the, and, and when B'nai Israel wasn't worthy, Hashem didn't call Moshe. Hashem only called Moshe only when B'nai Israel was worthy. So Moshe would say, wow, guys, before he would give them the commandment, he would tell them such encouraging words that, by the way, Hashem only called me, I'm only Zochet to hear Hashem's voice because of you guys. Now, what did he tell them? Speak to the B'nai Israel and tell them, Adam ki akriv mi kem korban Adonai min ha-bakar min ha-behema min ha-bakar min ha-son takribu ut korban chem. So Hashem tells him to speak to Klali Sale, speak to Bnei Sale. When a person among you wants to bring a korban to Hashem from an animal, from cattle, from sheep, you shall bring your offerings. Now, so we have a big pasuk here. There's a lot of things we learn out of this pasuk. Um, number one, it calls the person Adam. When a person, Adam Kiyakrivi came. Now, he used the word Adam. Now, really, he could have said the word Ish. So Rashi points out that the fact that we use the word Adam tells you that just like Adam and Ishan, it uses the word Adam to allude to Adam and Ishan. Just like Adam and Ishan, when he brought a korban, it, was, it didn't belong to anyone but himself, right? Because there was no impossible for Adam to steal because he was the only one in the world. So... So too, when you bring a korban, if a person wants to bring a korban, he cannot bring it from gezel, he cannot bring it from a stolen animal. Rather, it has to be completely his own, just like Adam and Ishan's. Um, now, this type of korban that we're talking about, Rashi points out, is talking about a voluntary korban, meaning you don't have to bring the korban. Your person's bringing it with his own will as opposed to someone that sins, where he might have to bring a korban. Okay, so the Pasuk says, the person wants to bring a korban to Hashem, mina behema, from an animal. Now, why did it say the word behema? Now, behema means a domesticated animal. You cannot, the Torah is pointing out, if a person wants to bring a korban, he has to bring it from a domesticated animal, as opposed to a wild animal that's kosher, like a deer or like a moose, right? A person would have to bring it from a, domesticated animal like a cow or like a sheep. Now, the pasuk doesn't just say an animal. It says from the animal. So if you want to bring it, if you want to bring Korban from an animal. So now what does that mean from? When the word, when, whenever we use the word from, it means it's excluding stuff, right? From an animal, meaning not all the animals, from an animal. So what is that coming to exclude? So Rashi points out that is coming to exclude something that was used to worship idols, meaning not all animals are acceptable for a korban. If something was used as worship, meaning if it was used, um, if let's say someone bowed down to the animal as a god or, so, or something like that, that animal becomes not able to be used. So that's what we learn now from the word min habakad. Now the pasuk also says, no, sorry, mina behema. Sorry, that was Mina Bekan. Mina Behema from the animal. So again, it's also to exclude animals. God forbid if a person does a avera with animal, if a male or female would live with an animal in a relationship type of thing, that would also exclude an animal from being brought on the Mizbayah. So we have Mina Behema to exclude an animal that was um, lived with. Mina Bakad from cattle. That excludes an animal that was worshipped. Umin hason, again, again, whatever you see the word mean, it's always excluding. Umin hason, um, also to exclude an animal that was set aside to give to an avodazara. Meaning the first time you were talking about an animal that someone actually worshipped, and you bowed, God forbid someone bowed down to the animal. Now we're coming to exclude even an animal that was set aside for the Goyim, they wanted to set this animal aside to give it to their Avodah Now the Pasuk says, Umin Hasson. Um, so again, it's coming to exclude an animal that killed a person um, 
It uses minason again later on. So Rashid's pointing out to exclude an animal that also killed a person is also excluded from being brought as a korban. And at the end of the pasuk, or later on, we're going to see it's again the same word, umin ha-bakad, as she points, as she's bringing down all the exclusions, as she brings down also that this mina bakad also excludes a terefa, an animal that cannot live with, uh, um, 12 months. Any animal that's not able to live 12 months, it's called a terefa, it's like a torn animal. And it's, it's called a terefa, a torn animal, and um, it would be excluded. So all those items you cannot bring. However, uh, you're allowed to bring any other animal. So the pasuk ends off. Again, let's just get the wording back from the pasuk. If you bring it from that animal, you should bring your offerings. So now it says the word offerings. So the Gemara learns out that she explains that it means multiple people are able to bring a korban together. Don't just think a personal korban, right? Takribu is they bring. That's coming to also tell you that multiple people can chip in and bring a korban. Now it also says korban chem, your offerings. This teaches us further that not only uh, two individuals can, can bucky up and, pair and, and get a korban and, and, and get a korban for Hashem, but even a whole community or a whole congregation are able to bring a korban. Okay, we're going to stop here. Bezat Hashem, again, it's a packed parasha. There's a lot. Bezat Hashem is parasha. So, Bezat Hashem, this should be a refuah shalema for Chaya Sarah Batsimcha. All right. I think my brother in law got up to Pasuk Gimel last night. The Pasuk, the, the parasha is talking about the korbanot, the sacrifices that the Jews have to bring in the Bet HaMikdash and all the technical dinim, the rules that go with it. So up to Pasuk Gimel, Prashava Yikra. Im Ola Korbano. So we're talking about now the Korban of the Ola. So the Pasuk says, if he's bringing the Ola as his Korban, Min Habakar, he brings it from the cattle, Zachar, male, Tamim, it has to be complete. Yakrivenu, he should bring it. Petah Ohel Yakriv Oto, bring it to the entrance of the Ohel Moed. with the will, with his will, with God's will. in front of Hashem. So look at Ashid. Ashid says, Pasuk Gimel, Zachar. The Pasuk says you have to bring a male animal. Below Nekeva, cannot be female. So now Rashi asks, If you look in Pasuk Yud, it says again by the Ola that you have to bring a Zachar. So why does it say bring it? Why does it say later on uh, male again? It shouldn't say it. So Ela is coming to teach you Zachar that it has to be a Zachar animal and not a Tumtum Vadroginos. What do those words mean? So uh, it means uh, what it means. Tum tum is stuffed up. Stuffed up, yes. Yeah, stuffed up. Uh, the organ is not the the male organ is not so clear what the animal is if it's a male or a female. So those animals are not good enough. It has to be a zakhar where it's uh, clearly evident. The, uh, male female. Yeah. Thank you, Mars. So it has to be clear. What the animal is that it's a zakhar. Next, Rashi says, Tamim Pelomum can have a blemish. El Petach Ohel Moed. Next, Rashi, Mitapel Bahaba Ato Adha Azara. So, we're talking about right now the person who's bringing the sacrifice, which is the person who has to bring the Allah, not the Kohen, the person who donates it or who has to bring it. So it says he brings it all the way to the Petah Ha'el Mo'ed so that she learns that the owner of the offering could bring it until the courtyard of the Beit HaMikdash or the Mishkan. So now that she asks a question, it says in the Pasuk, and then it says, it says twice, the Lashon of Yakriv to bring it. Why does it have to say twice? So, Mahu Omer Yakriv Yakriv. Why does it say twice in the Pasuk to bring it? So that she says a couple of Hidushim from this. Let's say you had two guys. 
We'll call them Reuven and Shimon. They were both, both bringing the Olah in the Beit HaMikdash, and they got mixed up on the conveyor belt going up to the Beit HaMikdash. Now you don't know whose Olah is what. So now what do you do? So from the fact that it says Yakriv twice, it's coming to say you can bring it even though you don't know whose it is. Yakriv called Achat L'Shem Mishihu. And the one bringing it, the I would say the Kohen, the one offering it should just say, whoever it is, this, this, this animal, whoever it is, should, should work for that person, for whoever it is. And the second one should work for whoever, whoever it is. It doesn't have to, you don't have to know which one of the two people uh, actually brought it, even if it got mixed up. That's what the two Yaqibs are coming to say. Bring it in any fashion, no, even if you don't know who the owner is. Now she says another case. Let's say you have an Ola Kurban, which is holy, got mixed up with a Hulin Kurban. A Hulin is a regular animal that a person had in his uh, backyard. So now what, what do I do? I know I consecrated one of them to bring for an Ola, and one of them is Hulin, is a regular animal. But I don't know which one. So do I have to bring both of them and now lose an animal? I only wanted to donate one. So that she says that you could sell the, one of them to a person who wants to buy an Ola. Put a sign that says, anyone who wants to buy an Ola, I have one for sale. And then you sell it. You get the money. And now one of them is yours. One of them says, you don't know which one. And you could do the same thing. Bring it to the Beth Mikdash. And the Kohen could say, whoever is... This one is should work for him, and whoever the other one is should work for him. That's why it says Yakriv twice in the Pasuk. Very good. Next Lashi. It says Yakriv Oto. Yakriv Oto is a uh, Lashona of force. Yakriv Oto, bring it. Lashi says, Milamed Shekofin Oto. That's someone who is, has to bring an Oda. You for. Yeah. Your microphone is unmuted. People hear me? I'm yeah, we hear you. You're good. Keep going. Now you're gone. Very nice. Now you're right. Okay, so Yakriv Oto is a Lashon of force. So the, so the Rashi says, Milamet Shekofin Oto, that someone who's Hayav to bring a Korban Ola, you force him to bring it. Oh, Yakob Ba'al Maybe it means even by force, by physical force, you could beat the guy up until he brings it. But the Pasuk says also in accordance with his will. So go back to the Pasuk Gimel. I said uh, means God's will, but uh, I was wrong. It means the will of the person. So Rashi says, wait, if it's the will of the person, so you can't beat up the guy till he brings it. So what is it? Is it with his will or could you beat up the guy to bring a korban if he's high up? How does this work? So you beat the guy up until he says, I want. So it's because you're beating the guy up. But at the end of the day, he says he wants. Now, why does this work? The guy is, if you ask the guy, he's going to say, I was forced. Why? All because the guy said the words, all of a sudden does it become his ratzon. So there's a famous, uh, you have to say to answer this is what they say, that every Jew deep down really wants to do the mitzvah. It's just the averot and all the things that are clouding his mind to think straight and his heart, which are making the guy not want to do the mitzvah. But so beating the guy up just gets rid of all the the bad stuff on his heart until he says rotseani. But rotseani is, is what he really wants to do. So therefore, it could be considered his ratzon. Next lashi. If na Hashem v'samach. It says, bring it in front of Hashem v'samach and lean on the animal. And So that she learns from here that only in front of God, by the Beit HaMikdash, which is, is considered Lefne Hashem, could you do this special action of leaning on the animal, which is part of the process of the Korbanot. But not if in the times where you were able to bring a Korban in the Bama, there were certain periods of time in history where, let's say the Mishkaniyat wasn't, wasn't, erected yet or the, when the Mishkan was in Gilgal there were certain periods in history where you were able to have a Bama a Bama was an off-site uh, place where you could bring a Korban it wasn't necessarily where let's say it was designated let's say the Mishkan and, and stuff like that and but, so you were able to bring a Korban but only if Neh Hashem could you do the Samach do this extra, uh, extra item of Semicha 
What time is it? One more pasuk, because I came on late. Pasuk Dalit. He should lean his hands on top of the Ola. And it should be considered pleasing on his behalf. To work as an atonement for the person. A couple of Rashi's here. Look at Rashi. So this comes to include that not only a voluntary Ola, you have to do Simicha, but also for obligatory Ola, also needs Simicha. And also to include that Ola could be brought with a sheep. Next, Rashi Ha'ola. It says Ha'ola with a hair. Hair comes to say specific. Ha'ola. What's that coming to exclude? She says, it's coming to exclude the Ola that you bring with the bird that does not get the Simicha, the special action of leaning on the animal. That's what it says, Ha'ola, to say this one, not a different one. Last Rashi, it should be an appeasement for the person. For what is it, uh, what does it work for? What does a person bring an Ola for? It's an appeasement for a person's sin, but which sins? Maybe I'll say it works for karet or mitobetin is when betin uh, has to punish a guy with death to bring this. Let's say a guy uh, has to put he's has to put, be put to death by heaven. Let's say guys have whips uh, to get lashes. The Torah already says all those guys what their proper korban should be. Or not even a korban. That's their punishment. They don't have an option of substituting it with a korban. All these are uh, outright punishments. So what is this Allah? It says, It's going to help him atone for sins. Which sin? The, all the sins that are listed, most of them already have punishments that are already specific for that sin. So that she says, Ha enu ela al and Allah works for two things. If a person was supposed to do an aseh, and aseh is a positive commandment, and he didn't do the positive commandment, such a person has to bring an Allah. Positive commandment is where to feed, bring a lulav, a shake a lulav, positive commandment. Or a lav shinitafa aseh is a negative commandment which is connected to a positive commandment. I don't know if connected, nitak literally means commuted. What's a case of a of such a case? I'm reading the bottom. For instance, it is forbidden to leave the meat of offerings uneaten beyond the given time limit. Okay, you can't just leave a korban that you that you shech for, forever. You have to eat it by a certain time. Now, let's say someone who does not eat the korban by that specific time and it remains uneaten, he is an oved. In, uh, there's a lot say of do not leave it past that time. And there's also a positive commandment of eat that korban in its proper time. So a person who leaves a korban past its due time, he's not haya for the lot ta'aseh because it's connected to na'aseh of eat it in its right time. That's an example of a lav shnitak la'aseh. So those two scenarios is where a person is hayav in this korban ola, in a not fulfilling an na'aseh or a lav shnitak la'aseh. Okay, it is okay. Thank you very much for tuning in. This should be the Pashtunah for Sarin. Everyone have a the beginning of Parashat Vayikra, Pasuk He. So again, let's just go over what we were dealing with. We're talking about a voluntary Ola Korban offering. So that's what we're dealing with. So. With Pasuk says, Pasuk He, Perek Aleph, Pasuk He, Parashat Vayikra. Veshahat et ben habakad lefnei Hashem. And he should slaughter the bull in front of Hashem. Vehekribu b'nei Aharon ha-Kohanim et Hadam. And the, the children of the of, of Aharon, which are the Kohanim, shall bring the blood close. Vizareku et Hadam ala mezbayach saviv. And he should, they should sprinkle the blood on the altar around it, Asher Petach Olmoed. The altar was placed that was in the in the entrance of the tent of meeting. Now, 
going to go over this pasuk slowly because there's a lot to learn in this pasuk. So basically, the pasuk just says quickly outside that that he should slaughter the korban in front of Hashem. The, then the kohen the kohen should accept the blood and take the blood and bring it to the mizbeach. They should sprinkle it sprinkle it around the mizbeach, which which was which the mizbeach was at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So now, that's the pasuk. So now we're going to go over the pasuk slowly. So now, it doesn't say over here that the kohanim have to do the slaughtering. It just says, and he should slaughter. However, when it talks about the, the collecting and bringing the blood to the Mizbayah, it says, And by there, the Torah writes that specifically the children of Aharon, which are the kohanim, have to do the the, the collecting and sprinkling of the blood. So from here we learn now that even a non-Kohen can slaughter um, a Korban. So a non-Kohen is able to so a non-Kohen is able to slaughter a Korban. Now, the Pasuk says, however, the slaughtering must be lifne Hashem, before Hashem. So now even though we just said a non-Kohen can slaughter a korban, it still has to be slaughtered in the courtyard or in the azara of the Beit HaMikdash or in the Mishkan. As long as it has to still be considered in front of Hashem, I mean, even though we said that anyone could slaughter it, however, he can't slaughter it at home. Rather, he has to have it um, slaughtered in the azara, which is the Torah calls the Fne Hashem, which is the in the courtyard of the Mishkan or the Beit HaMikdash. Next, the Pasuk writes, And the children of Aharon, which are the Kohanim, should bring the blood. Now, the question is, if it calls the, the children of Aharon Kohanim, now we know that all the children that come out of Aharon are always going to be Kohanim. So why does the Pasuk have to specify and say, by the way, the Bnei Aharon, which are the Kohanim? As we know, Aharon had four sons, and they were all called Kohanim, and all Aharon's children forever are always going to be Kohanim. So Rashi points out something that the Torah is excluding here, a halal. What's a halal? It's possible for if a Kohen, a male Kohen, marries someone that he's not supposed to, for example, a divorcee. So therefore, um, the child that comes out is called the halal. Now, that halal, even though he's the child of Aharon, that halal is not a Kohen. So therefore, the Torah has to specify not only the sons of Aharon, but they also have to be Kohanim, meaning they have to be born from a legal Kohen marriage as opposed to Chas Shalom, a not uh, prohibited marriage that a Kohen has. Fine. Next, we learn, next, the Pasuk writes, so again, the the Kohanim would, so anyone could slaughter the Korban, but it has to be in front of Hashem. Then the Bnei Aharon would accept the blood and bring the blood to the Mizbeach and then sprinkle the blood. So now, if you look at the Basuk, the Basuk is strange because the Basuk writes, now the Pasukim don't just write extra words, and over here the Basuk is stressing the blood and it says the word blood twice. It should have wrote, Ve'ikru Bnei Aharon HaKohanim et Adam and let it sprinkle it on the Mizbeach, right? With autumn, we know automatically we're talking about blood. However, the Pasuk writes, um, they should bring the blood and then sprinkle the blood. Now, the second blood is unnecessary. We already know we're talking about blood. So why does it say the word blood twice? So now she points out that we, we are specifically teaching you a special law. That even though, even if, let's say, there's a korban, and this korban is a olah, and it needs to be sprinkled on the mizbeach. Now, let's say, by mistake, so they collect it in some type of holy vessel. Now, let's say they, let's say some, for some reason, it gets mixed up with a different korban. So, the pasuk is telling us, and teaching us a law, the fact that it says the word blood twice, comes to teach us that even if the blood is mixed with another type of blood, as long as it's sprinkled on the Mizbayah, so meaning I have, let's say someone brings a Korban, Uven brings a Korban, now Shimon brings a Korban. And for some reason, by mistake, the bowls of bloods got mixed in together. 
it's still kosher to be sprinkled on the Mizbeach. So that's why he uses the word dam twice. Now the Pasuk writes, Vizaraku etadam al Mizbeach. So the Quran, again, would collect the blood, bring the blood, and bring it to the Mizbeach and sprinkle it around the Mizbeach. So that she teaches us the process of how it was done. This specific Allah, um, this specific Allah um, Korban, the Kohen would stand on the ground, meaning there was a ramp. The, the, the altar, which was outside the Bet HaMikdash, which was in the courtyard, which was the one that we're using to, for the animals, it had a ramp. So now the Kohen wouldn't go up the ramp, but rather he would stand on the ground and he would take the blood that was in this um, holy vessel that he collected the blood with, and he would sprinkle it and throw it on the Mizbeach, with the, meaning that he would throw it from the keli on the Mizbeach. And the way he would do it was, as she points out, he would do it on the northeastern side corner and the southwestern corner. corner. Therefore, it hitting all four um, directions, north, south, east, west. Now, even though he would only do two sprinklings, however, that's still considered going around the Mizbeach. Why? Because he did it in the northeast side and the southwestern side, which, which meant that all the, 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 the north, south, east, and west all got a little blood on it, even though it was only two, two areas, but since it included all directions, it's considered of like he sprinkled it around the entire Mizbeach. So again, the Kohen would take the blood and sprinkle on the Mizbeach going around, which was Asher Petach Oil Moed, which was in the entrance of the tent of meeting. Now, the question is, again, it's, it's, it's strange why the Torah has to give us the, the area of where the Mizbeach was located. Okay, we know, we know that from the previous Parashiyot, where the Mizbeach was located. Why now does this Torah telling us where the Mizbeach is located when you sprinkle the blood? So the um, Rashi again points out that we learn from here that the only time you're able to sprinkle the blood is if the, if the Mishkan is up. Now, in the, during the desert, they would travel with the Mishkan. So they would put it down, put it back up, and they would travel. Now, if, the, if someone wanted to bring a Korban when the Mishkan was down, so the altar might be there, but if it's not in front of the tent of meeting, meaning if the Mishkan wasn't up and erected, the, this process wouldn't work. You couldn't bring a Korban like that and you can't sprinkle the blood. So the only time a Kohen is able to do this Korban process and do this ritual by sprinkling the blood on the Mizbech is only when the Mizbech is situated um, el petach opposite the tent of meeting. Okay, next Pasuk. Um, the Pasuk says the next Pasuk, So they would skin the Ola, they would skin the, the Ola offering, right? Again, after they collected the blood, they sprinkled on the Mizbech, now they took the rest of the body, right? When they slaughtered it, that's where they got the blood from. And now they're still left with a, with a, with a, with a body, a carcass. So they would, um, they would, a, they would um, skin it and they would cut it into its pieces. Now, now she asks, what is the pasuk have to write? They have sheet at the ha'ola, and you skin the ola offering. Now, automatically, I know, this is what we're talking about. We started off talking about an ola offering, a voluntary ola offering, and we're still continuing to talk about the ola offering. I don't need the pasuk to tell us again that we're talking about this ola korban. It's already known. Therefore, um, that she learns out a halakha from here, that the fact that we're saying the word Ola here again, is come to teach us not only this specific Ola that we're talking about, which is a voluntary Ola, means skinning, but rather all Olot, all types of Ola korbanot, even if they're mandatory, also need the same halakha of skinning. Now the pasuk continues, v'nitach, so if they would skin the animal, and they would cut it into its pieces. Now, again, it's, the Pasuk writes and cut it into its pieces. It sounds like it has specific pieces that you have to cut it in. So again, Nashi points out that there's a special, 
there's a special way to cut it up. It has to be cut up into like certain animals, each, right? 10 different pieces, as we learned in the Gemara, teaches us how it was split up. But we learn from here, it has to be cut into its pieces and you can't cut it up further. Are you talking about shechting? After, no, after they slaughtered the animal, they, they took the blood, all the blood that flowed out of the animal, when they, right when they slaughtered it, they took it and sprinkled on the Mizbeach. Next, they went back and skinned the animal and then cut it up into pieces. Oh. I think what so she said. So these times when we're cutting it up into pieces, it has to be into specific pieces as opposed to just cutting it up into really small pieces. It has to be cutting up to its specific pieces, oh, which brought in the Gemara exactly how it was split up. Let's just do one more pasuk. She's asking that it's slaughtering. Is that the same as shechting? Yes, slaughtering is shechting. Yes. Okay, yes. there you go. You got it. Same thing. Thank you. Okay, next pasuk, pasuk Zayin. And the the Bene the, Aharon, which, which is the Kohen, shall put a fire on the Mizbeach. And then he would arrange the wood on the fire. Now, again, we, 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 we're the same type of question we had earlier. The pasuk says the Bene Aharon, it says the word Bene Aharon HaKohen. Now, we know the child of Aaron is always going to be a Kohen. Now, we don't need to teach us what we learned before because that we already know that it can't be a Kohen from an illegal marriage. Rather, she points out that it's coming to teach us a new law that the Kohen has to be look like a Kohen when he's doing this job, meaning he has to be in his Big Dek Kehuna. We spoke earlier in the previous parashiot about the Begadim, the clothing of the Kohanim, and the Kohen had to have these clothing worn when he did this process. And if he didn't have these, this clothing worn, the process would be pasul. It would be invalid. So therefore, the, the Torah writes, the, 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 the children, of, the child of Aaron that's, that looks like a Kohen, meaning he has to have his clothing on. The pasuk says, right, he would bring um, fire on the Mizbeach and he would arrange the wood on the fire. So Rashi points out another law that we know from that there was a fire that came down from Shamayim, from heaven, and burnt the Korbanot. Why do we have... So Rashi learns out from here that the Lacha writes that even though there is a fire that comes down from heaven that consumes the Korban, however, there has to also be a man-made fire that is brought by the Kohanim as well. So, Bizat Hashem, um, we'll stop here. This should be a refuah Haya Sarah Bat Simcha. And Bizat Hashem should have it. Wow, what's this your kid? name? Fantastic. You're not Yosef. What's your name? Um, Jimmy. Jimmy. God bless you. So, Malka, it's ra the Rabbi Mansour's grandson. Yes. Yeah, so ah, no, I, I learned with uh, with Yosef. Um, so he asked me if I could take him over tonight. He, uh, so uh, well, I'm going to take him over. So um, we start off pasuk chet. Um, the sons of Aharon, the Kohanim, um, arranged the pieces. Etarosh, um, the head, vetapared, the uh, the fat, aletzim, on the wood. Which was on the fire, which was on the mizbeach. So now Rashi start off, starts off asking, um, So why do we have to say Aharon, the sons of the Kohanim? So he answers that that if somebody uh, that the Kohanim are supposed to come in with four begadim, but if uh, if they come if they come in wearing eight, which is um, which is Kohen Gadol, so there would be Pasul. So, that's why it says Bnei Aaron. Yeah, that's why it says Bnei Um Next, Rashi. Rashi wants to know, why do we say the head, and we say the pieces and then the head? Well, why, do, why, do, why isn't the, the head con concluded with the pieces? Um, so Rashi answers, answers, the reason why is because um, the the head was 
um, uh, it wasn't included in the skinning. So you may have thought that it wasn't included at all, but uh, um, th- therefore we had to say um, the heads by itself. So they put it on the mizbech. Yeah, they put it on the mizbech. potted and the fats. potted and the fats. So why do we have, Rashi wants to know why do we even say this at all? Why do we say the fats at all? So he says, uh, uh, Rashi answers, um, 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 It's coming to tell us that um, the, because um, the fats were there to protect the neck because it wasn't respect for Hashem because the neck was dirty and disgusting because of the blood. So the fat, they put the fat on top of the blood in order to, um, to make it not disgusting for Hashem. Um, the next Rashi. Uh, Rashi is coming to ask. Rashi asks that why do we have to make a, we say on the wood, on the fire, which is on the Mizbeach. Why do we why are we bringing uh, so in detail? So Rashi answers is that because just tell you that the wood has to be exactly aligned onto the fire and the, on, which is on the mizbeach so um uh, yeah and it can't stick out even an inch so now um uh, um you should watch the the wash the insides of the animal um and you should um the kohen should light the whole thing on fire the whole um the whole uh animal on fire Allah as a uh, as a ola um, offering, ishe um, a fire Hashem, which is a good smelling, good smell to Hashem. Uh, Rashi, ola and ola offering. So Rashi wants to know here is that why do we have to say an ola offering? What is this coming to tell you? So Rashi answers l'shem So it's said that um, while he's uh, lighting the while while he's doing the korban, he should have in mind that this is for an ola offering. Um, so therefore, the the, the pasuk says Allah. Um, uh, the the pasuk says Allah. It uh, puts the extra words. Next, Rashi Isha, a fire offering. Why does so Rashi wants to know why does the pasuk say a fire offering? Like, isn't every uh, korban made out of fire? So uh, a burnt in fire. So so he answers. Similar answer that when while you're slaughtering the um, the the Ola, you should uh, you should have in mind that you're going to light it with fire. Nichawach, uh, a pleasing smell to Hashem. So, uh, so Rashi wants to know why um, what's pleasing to Hashem. So he answers is that uh, is that Hashem saying what's pleasing to me is that um, is the fact that you guys are listening to, uh, to, to what I commanded you which is to make the um, Korban. So now, yeah, not the actual smells. The, it's the fact that you, that the Jewish people, the Bnei Israel, are listening to what Hashem commanded them to do. Um, next pasuk. Uh, oh, so here we're gonna go from um, what we usually talk about um, for the first ten pesukim. We were talking about the bakar, the bena bakar, but now we're talking about different animals that you can bring for an Allah offering. Um, we start off the pasuk, and if you bring um, flock as a Allah offering, or sheep, or or goats, um, but it has to be that it's a male, young, um, uh, a male, and it has to be a young, uh, uh, yeah, and complete, has to be complete, young, uh, no, complete and male animal. Okay, so now Rashi, um, Rashi says, um, why, why does we say ve'im minason? What's with, what, why, why is there a vav there? Vav mosif rishon. Vav is trying to say that um, the vav is coming to teach you. Oh yeah, whatever halacha or by the the bakad is also going to be also over here. Yeah, and whatever by son uh, are also by bakat. So it's coming. The vav is coming to teach you that they have the same halacha. So now Rashi uh, goes on to ask: Is that why? Uh, why is there a half sec in the pot? In the if you look in the Torah, there's a, a space um, between the, the um, 
between this pasuk and the last pasuk. So Rashi wants to know why. So he answers the ten to give Moshe time to like to for him to sink in these halacha and to, for him to understand all these halacha. Um, so yeah, so he can understand all these halacha. The focus um, yeah. Next, um, Rashi, Rashi says, from the flock, from the sheep, or from the goats. So Rashi is asking why, it sounds like this is excluding something, because you're saying from the flock, from the sheep, and they're all saying from. So it looks like it's excluding three things. So Rashi says, this is excluding three things. This is coming to exclude that an old animal, a sick animal, and a dirty animal, um, all, all, all these type of animals cannot be part of the um, Ola offering. Um, so the, this class is um, and um, thank you all for tuning in. You're amazing. Aleph, That's what I think we're up to. However, we're going to go back one pasuk because we want. I want to start from the new topic. So we spoke about the um, the Ola voluntary offering, the offering that gets fully burnt on the Mizbeach, on the altar. We spoke about bringing a bull, a large animal. Now in Pasuk Yud, we're going to talk about a guy that wants to bring a voluntary Ola offering, not from a large animal, from an animal, a smaller animal, like a sheep or a goat. So let's see the Pasuk, Pasuk Yud. Can you, could people hear me? Yes, we hear yeah. you. Amy. Okay, perfect. Okay, the Pasuk says as follows. Yeah. If he wants to bring a korban from flock, meaning a smaller animal, he could bring from a sheep or from a goat. He could bring an ola offering. An unblemished male offering he's going to bring. So let's just take this pasuk little by little. N number one, the pasuk starts with a vav. Vav means and. So even though Rashi points out that this is really connected to the previous statement, however, if you look, there's a space in between. The reason why there's a space, Rashi says, is that Hashem, before he gave every law, he gave time for Moshe to digest the law that he just gave. So he first first gave him the laws of the Ola, big animal, like a bull. He gave him time to digest that. And now he's, there's a little space. And now we're continuing talking about bringing in a voluntary Ola offering from sheep or a goat. Now, if you look, we said last time, anytime we use the word mean, which is from, if you want to bring from flock, from a sheep, or from a goat, right? Using the word mean, from, it always tells you from, but not all. Meaning, it's, an, it's always excluding something. If I say you could bring from sheep, meaning you could bring some of the sheep, but, but it's excluding other sheep. So now, it uses the word mean three times. So now, what do we learn? What is that excluding? So it needs to exclude three things. Number one, it excludes an old animal, a sick animal, right? So even if the animal's perfect, it doesn't have any blemishes, but if it's old or it's sick or it, it's smelly, meaning I guess I don't know, really know animals. I'm not an expert, but I guess certain animals smell more than others. If it has something that, you know, reeks uh, bad, horrible smells more than it should, all those three... Um, items are excluded, and we learn that from the from the three times it uses the word "me," which is from. Okay, so this this offering has to be a male, and it has to be complete. Then next, the pasuk writes in pasuk and he slaughters it on the side of the mizbeach, safona, on the northern side, in front of Hashem, and Aharon. And the the Bnei Aharon, the Kohanim would would um, take its blood, sprinkle its blood, around the mizbeach. And we said last time the way he would sprinkle the blood, he would sprinkle it twice: one on the northeastern side, 
one on the southwestern side, and that would cover all four uh, directions. Now, the Pasuk uses the word damo. Now, she points out that it says its blood. You should sprinkle its blood. We could have just wrote the word dam, sprinkle the blood. What's its blood? So we said earlier, um, the Pasuk said earlier, we learned out from the Pasukim, that we said that if, so the way they would, they would slaughter the animal and then the Kohen would collect the blood in a vessel and he would use that vessel to sprinkle on the Mizbayah. Now we said a case earlier, if let's say that blood gets mixed in with other bloods. So we said that it could still be sprinkled on the Mizbayah. However, the Pasuk is saying here, Damo, it's blood. What does that mean? So she points out that the, when it says it's blood, it's coming to exclude that even though we said you're allowed if it gets mixed in with other blood to still sprinkle on the altar, that's only if it's blood that is supposed to go on the altar anyways. For example, if two different people bring an Ola offering, right? So they both go on the Mizbayach. So if those two bloods get mixed up, yes, then that could be sprinkled still on the Mizbeach. However, if the type of Korban doesn't go on the Mizbeach, gets sprinkled in other areas, which Achatat, certain other offerings, as we, we're going to learn, certain other offerings do not get sprinkled on the Mizbeach. So if that blood gets mixed in with this blood, you cannot sprinkle it on the Mizbeach. Therefore, it says the word, it's blood, specifically blood that goes on the altar can go on the altar. Okay, next pasuk, good bet. Venitach otol in tahav, and he cut into pieces, he cut the animal into pieces, et rosho, et pedro, its head and its fats, ve'arach ha'kohen otam al etzim, and the kohen arranges it on the wood, asher ala etzim, which is on the fire, asher ala mizbeach, which is on the altar. Ve'hekrev ha'kerayim nichatz b'mayim, ve'hekrev ha'kerayim nichatz b'mayim, and the insides, and the feet, the Kohen washes with water. And the Kohen brings all of it up in a in a in a smoke. He, he calls up to all go up in smoke, an Allah offering, a fire offering, and this offering is a sweet scent, a, a satisfying aroma to Hashem. Okay, so now we finish the section of the Ola voluntary middle-ranged animals. We did the big animals, we did the sheep and the goats, the, the smaller animals, and now we're talking about if a guy wants to bring an Ola from a bird. So Pasuk Yedalit, Ve'im min ha'of Ola korbano Hashem. If a person would want to bring from a bird, from birds, an Ola offering for Hashem. Now, again, it uses the word mean ha'of. So whenever it uses the word mean, which is from, it's always excluding something. Now, what is this excluding? So now by the bird offerings, it doesn't say that it has to be complete. The other korbanot, it says it has to be complete, meaning can have a blemish. However, over here specifically by the bird, it doesn't, doesn't give that instructions. So one might have thought that, okay, you can have a blemish. Maybe you could also bring a bird that's missing a limb or a body part. Maybe that's also good enough to bring, since it, if it could have a blemish, maybe it could also be missing a body part. So therefore the word mean, as we use the, always the word mean means exclude, right? So we use the word mean to exclude a bird without a body part. So you cannot bring a bird that's missing a limb. So if one wants to bring a bird that's, Right for korban um, ola offering, he brings from the turtle dove or min yona or young doves et korbano um, for a korban. So now that she points out what's a torim, a turtle dove. So he said a turtle dove torim means an older dove, and beneyona means very young doves. Um, now we learn out from here, this coming to exclude. Now again, uses the word mean again. Whenever he uses the word mean, from means not all. So what are we excluding? So Rashi points out 
it says minatrim all being beneyona. So Rashi points out it excludes the middle stage. There's a certain stage of a dove when it's very little, it can be brought. When it's bigger, when it's an adult, it can also be brought. But that middle stage that you, it cannot be brought on the mizbeach. Ve'ikriv next pasuk ve'ikriboah kohen el mizbeach and mizbeach and the kohen should bring it to the mizbeach umalak it roshah and he does milika to its head. Now I just want to point out one thing: the pasuk writes ve'ikribo and and the and the kohen shall bring it. What does that mean? Sounds like Rashi says. That when we you when we say you could bring birds, use the word birds in plural, right? It says mina torim, which is plural, which is also plural. So the, the pasuk is saying and the kohen brings it to tell you that if you want, you could even bring one bird. There's no, there's no, you don't have to bring two. Even one is fine, even though it's small, it can still be brought. Now the pasuk writes umalak and you should do milika to its head. Now, what is milika? So, we know the other korbanot and animals need something called shechita. Shechita means slaughtering, right? It's you slaughter the animal with a very sharp knife, the front of its neck, and you you cut you cut enough till it cuts the trach, which is the and the esophagus. Now. Milika, that is that is the procedure done by animals and also to kosher animals. However, this by a bird, there's something called milika. Milika is where a person where the Kohen takes his fingernail and takes it to the back of the bird's neck, to its nape, and he presses hard on the with his fingernail on the back of the bird's neck and it severs, it, it, it cracks the back, plus it also he does it until it cracks the or 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 it severs the 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 windpipe and the food pipe. So that's what, what that's the definition of milika. Umalak etrosho. So the kohen, if you bring a bird, the kohen has to do milika to its head, which is with his fingernail to the back of the neck of the bird. And and he squeezes blood and he should make. The 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 cause it to go up and smoke on the mizbeach. Ve'isirta murato ve'notzata ve'hishlich ota etzal mizbeach hakedma el makom adashin. So before he does it, he removes the the innards and the crop, the place where it goes to the bathroom and the stomach from the bird, and he throws it on the north on the eastern side of the mizbeach where they would keep all the ashes. There would always be ashes there. And the ground actually was a miracle that would swallow it up. And so that's where he would throw the, so he would cut out the, the innards, the, in, the innards and the place where, it, the, the place where it holds the, going to the bathroom, the, the day. So he would throw that out. Now, interesting, um, Rashi points out also that by animals, he doesn't, we don't cut that out. By animals, we just wash it. The pasuk writes, you wash the innards and you put it on the mizbeach. But over here, we're cutting it out. Why? So Rashi says that birds, when people have birds, so they fly around. They always come back to the nest, but they fly around. And they end up going to other people's property and they eat from other people's property. So because birds usually eat or some birds eat from stolen foods, because really, even though it's not really stealing, but the birds are eating from food that doesn't belong to its owner. So therefore, we have to get rid of its innards. However, animals, the owner grazes it only on its own property. So therefore, the, the inside of the animal is also holy, and therefore it's able to, um, therefore it's able to um, be put on the mizbeah. Last pasuk. And you should um, um, split it or tear it apart with its wings, meaning you the, the, the Kohen takes the bird and he puts it into one piece, he flattens it out. You shouldn't um, um, sever it or divide it. And the Kohen puts it up, it should go up and smoke in the Mizbeach which is on, on the fire for an Ola offering, 
a fire offering, a good smell to Hashem. Now, just one more thing. So we do not take off the feathers of the bird. The Pasuk says you should split with its feathers, meaning the feathers do not get removed. Why? Now, feathers really have a bad smell. Feathers really have a bad smell. So why would the Torah want they have a bad smell when it goes up in flames? So why would the Torah want the feathers to be on the Mizbeah? So since we're dealing with someone that's poor, right? He couldn't afford animals. He bought a small, again, it's voluntary. He bought a small bird. So if we take out its plumage, its feathers, so what would happen? It would, it would look, the piece of meat would look so small and the poor man would get embarrassed. Hashem said, better it smells bad, so to speak, in the Beit HaMikdash, excuse me, better that it smells bad than to embarrass the poor man. Finally, the Pasuk ends off, it, it, it should be a it was a pleasant fragrance, a pleasant aroma to Hashem. Um, now, it uses the same exact words by the bigger animals. And she tells us that because it doesn't make a difference if you bring a big animal or small animal. Everyone, just because a rich man is bringing a big animal, doesn't make him better than the small animal. It causes the same sweet, pleasant fragrance to Hashem. Because as long as a person brings it, L'Shem Shamayim, for the sake of heaven, Hashem is, is satisfied with his korban. Okay, so that's the end of the Ola voluntary um, Pesukim. Okay, Bezat Hashem, this should be a refuah for Haya Sarah Bat Simcha.